We are living in a pandemic now. We've seen firsthand what sickness can do not only to the person who is sick, but the society that surrounds us. As many of you know, this is not the first time a sickness has swept through and changed the lives of the many people affected. Because in 1917, society would be introduced to an unknown sickness. One that left the people affected staring at the world through an unmovable body. Hey guys, and welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Lulu, and today's episode is about the living statues. When I first heard about this, it, you know, kind of took me aback from when COVID started and when we were knee-deep in all of that craziness. Obviously, right now, it's still not over. There's still a lot of stuff going on with that, but at least where I'm from and where I'm living right now, things have calmed down a little bit and learning about this pandemic, this sickness that spread through really brought me back to the start of COVID and just thinking about that kind of thing. And it also really got me thinking that this pandemic might be kind of, you know, out of the ordinary, but it's not necessarily new and that this has happened before multiple times. I mean, you hear people talking about when it happened with the flu and things like that, but I had never heard about this kind of sickness. And that's what made it really fun to research. So let's hop right into the story of the living statues. Now, as you heard in the beginning, this started in 1917, and it would span over 10 years, you guys, which let me just say, when I first read that, I kind of got a little worried that, you know, COVID was going to last that long. And obviously, when a sickness shows up, most of the time, it doesn't just disappear. I mean, you have the flu, and the flu was this pandemic when it first started, and you know, the first cases were found. But when I heard that this one lasted 10 years, I was like, wow, could we be in a pandemic that's lasted 10 years? It was just a crazy thought that I had never thought about because everybody around me was always talking about how, oh, one more year. Oh, it's just another year of this. And I never got thinking about how long it could actually last. Now, really quick, just because we have brought up COVID, if anybody chooses to, you know, comment, to email me or whatever, we're going to leave everybody's beliefs in the matter aside. We are not here to talk about that kind of thing. We are here to talk about the living statues. So I did just want to get that clear. You know, let's leave that all out. So like I said before, this would be a sickness that would span over 10 years and it would end up spreading through just mass amounts of people. And it wasn't like a cough or a fever that just came and went or was putting people in the hospital or anything like that. 
This would leave most of the people who got sick as living statues, essentially. When this first started to show up, it got a lot of different nicknames. One of them, of course, like the title, is The Living Statues. One of them is The Sleeping Sickness. Or the more complex name, Encephalitis Lethargica. Hopefully I'm saying that right. There is only estimated numbers of how many people would end up getting sick. They are estimated to be over 1 million and would end with over 500,000 deaths. The beginning symptoms of these people who would get sick would start with a very high fever. Once this started, it would follow with a sore throat paired with a headache. This would leave them feeling lethargic. A lot of them would record developing double vision and as soon as that double vision started, they would begin to complain that they were having a delay in physical and mental responses. Once these beginning symptoms would start, they would also develop sleep inversion. Now, sleep inversion is when your body starts to get day and night confused, leaving your body wanting to sleep during the day and wanting to be awake and active at night. Once they developed this, they also began acting as though they had schizophrenia. They would begin to talk about things that never happened, they would talk to things that weren't there, and they would just begin acting very, very strange. Like I said at the beginning, the beginning of this sickness sounded like a normal cult. I mean, you know, sore throat, fever, headache, but then the more concerning ones would happen. They would begin acting like they had schizophrenia, their body would get sleep, confused, then more severe stuff developed. This would be followed by a coma-like state, but not being in a coma. Abnormal eye movement. Some would begin developing tremors, upper body weakness, muscle aches and pains, loss of movement, and severe behavior changes. A couple would also develop tick-like behaviors as well. When people started showing up with this sickness and these complaints, it immediately raised red flags because it was almost like their brains were being attacked. They quickly got doctors and scientists looking into it. And this is where a neurologist would find that that hypothesis was true. And he would be officially the first one to describe it as the sleeping sickness or the living statues. This neurologist, whose name was Constantine, also had the help of a pathologist named Jean. This is when they would discover that this sickness indeed attacked the brain. And this is why people would start to lose their motor function or the ability to talk. 
Now, of course, most people would get the cold and they would quickly go downhill until they would be diagnosed with the living statue disease. But that's not the case with everybody. Some of the people who would get the sickness would not even know they were sick. They would literally be doing their normal day-to-day work when all of a sudden, out of the blue, they couldn't move. Or they would begin to fall asleep at random times and not be able to tell you why. Only a third of the people who were affected would end up dying from this sickness. And I know that doesn't sound too bad, but that meant it would leave two-thirds of these victims alive. And most of the people who got sick were left unable to move for the rest of their lives. There were a couple people who were lucky enough to be able to talk a little. Some could move their eyes, some could laugh, but most of that two-thirds of people who were left alive were left watching the world move, watching the people around them grow and laugh while they could just sit there and stare and not say anything, couldn't move, couldn't laugh. I think I maybe would have rather have been that one-third of people who died from it because being stuck in your body watching the world move and unable to move yourself has to be torture. Most of the time when people would begin to get sick, they would be misdiagnosed for a lot of things. Epilepsy, intoxication, drug use, even hysteria. People didn't think that they were actually sick. And when they started to show actual signs of being sick and proof, if, you know, a high fever wasn't proof enough, by then, most of the time it was too late to do anything to stop it. But we didn't know how to stop it in the first place. We decided the best way to fight this sickness would be to track it down to where it started. We easily traced the sickness back to Europe. And just like strep, the flu, all of that, this sickness would spread relatively fast. This is why it would end up in North America, India, Europe, and a ton of other places by 1919. Once we found where it came from, confirmed, that it was a real sickness, some more neurologists and scientists began looking into it a little more, and this is where a man named Felix Stern would do some investigation on the sickness himself. He would in turn discover that the strand that was getting people sick and turning them into living statues was actually a strand that had evolved a lot over time. He came up with a vaccine that he was beginning to test. He was trying to give this vaccine to people to prevent this, but 
This vaccine was in its infancies and never got past that stage. And this is because it literally disappeared. The sickness disappeared. It stopped spreading. People who were sick either died or got better and they never passed it on to anyone else. And we've never seen it since. So still to this day, we have no idea what caused the living statue sickness. All we really have is what it did to people, that we know that it attacked the brain, where it came from. We have this infancy vaccine we have these stories and the proof that it was real and we have some weird facts like how it seemed like it mostly affected the males that it came in contact with because we don't have any information really on this sickness it's left us with just theories the main theory is that it is a very, very rare strain of Streptococcus. This is usually a bacteria that lives in the throat and it will cause sore throats. Most of the time it's known as just strep, not its actual full name. It does live in other parts of the body, but we won't get into any of that. The theory consists of the idea that this strand of strep had become severely mutated over the years. This mutated strand would actually cause the immune system to attack the brain of the victim, causing them to slowly freeze up until they were alive in a frozen body because of the damage the immune system did to the brain. There are also some theories that it links to the influenza epidemic a lot of people believe that it is a post-viral syndrome of the influenza epidemic, but it does seem like it is more easily linked to the strep infection, not necessarily influenza. Another really popular theory, which I don't know how much I believe, is that the living statue sickness is just an autoimmune response. The reason that I don't necessarily believe this is because you can't pass an autoimmune problem on to somebody else, like you can a cold. If I coughed on my husband, for example, I'm not going to give him my thyroid condition, which is an autoimmune disorder. Does that make sense? Whereas if I had a cold and I coughed on him, I would give him my cold. I can see how somebody would believe it was an autoimmune response because it does kind of leave your body attacking itself, but it doesn't spread the way a virus does, which is why I don't know how much I believe that. Now, if it was a cold that kind of in turn turned your body into an autoimmune response does that make sense i kind of would believe that 
where it would confuse it and it would attack itself or something like that while you're sick. And then when you're better, it stopped attacking. Like I could see something like that, but not being an autoimmune response that people just had in their body because you can't pass that on like you can a cold. And I know I said earlier that it hasn't come back, but that is actually not entirely true because there have been cases here and there of the living statue sickness but it does almost seem like it's kind of a band-aid disease at this point i say this because in order to be diagnosed with it you have to show all of the symptoms we talked about they have to do a ton of neurological testing on you to rule out any conditions that are causing the symptoms. And if you're showing all these symptoms and they can't find out why, they slap the name of the living statues on it and send you away. Like I said, I feel like it is very much used now as a band-aid diagnosis because they don't want to do more research in what's wrong with you. I feel like if we would have also done more research on it when it does show up in present time, we would be able to have a test for it, a swab or something like that. I don't love the idea that we kind of have a checklist of things and we go, oh, check, check, check. This is what you have. Bye. But I've never been somebody who likes that kind of diagnosis of things. But it did completely disappear for almost 25 years. And in the recent years, it has come back up every once in a while. But this did not start until one 12-year-old girl was brought into the hospital. This is where she would meet all of the required checkboxes, essentially. They would diagnose it with her but she would actually spend five weeks in the hospital fighting the sickness off. And that's kind of it. It showed up, people got sick. I mean, it lasted for 10 years, which also, I know it showed up a long time ago, but I feel like we maybe should have had more answers than we do. I do think the reason we don't have a lot of answers is because Most of the time, they slapped a different label onto it and sent you home. It's a normal cold, you'll be fine. You're schizophrenic, you'll be fine. It's just epilepsy, it's all in your head. You must be on drugs, things like that. I feel like it very much put a pause on things, finding out what this disease was, where it really came from, and how to prevent against it. In present time, if you are diagnosed with the living statue sickness, they usually end up treating it with some sort of immunomodulating therapies. I hope I'm saying that right. And to be honest, I had to look that up. This is pretty much where they treat it like a cancer. Most of the time, they will give you some sort of drug that will hopefully kill it off. Pretty much hard resetting your system. 
They usually do this in the very early stages of the living statue disease. This is to try and prevent it from getting to the point where it starts to attack the brain and you start to lose movement and things like that. Once they dose you with this drug that kills off pretty much everything in your system and gives you a really hard restart, they will watch you closely to see if it has gone away at that point. Most people do begin to improve at that point, but the ones that don't will then be given anti-Parkinson's drugs. This will usually give them some sort of relief, but that's it. This does not help them get back to who they were before they got sick. Most of the time, this is given after, you know, that drug that killed everything off has successfully gotten rid of it. Either that or you ride the end of the sickness out and it's helped you for the most part. But usually they'll give these drugs to people who have already had some sort of damage in their brain and the drugs will relieve them from the side effects that the sickness has caused, the long-term side effects, if that makes any sense. And that's it, you guys. We might not know anything about the living statue disease. We know what it does, we know that it spreads fast, but we don't know how to stop it when it shows up. We don't know why it disappeared. It killed so many people. It destroyed lives. Over a million people got sick, died, or became living statues. This was a 10-year pandemic that essentially just disappeared. We have seen it very, very rarely now, but occasionally it still pops up. Luckily though, when it does pop up, it seems to stay very isolated now and does not spread like it did before. But what would we do if this sickness started to spread as fast and as easily as it did before? Could the pandemic we are in now last upwards of 10 years and then just disappear? Would a pandemic of the living statue disease be worse than what we're living in now? And should we maybe have done a little more research or believed the people who came to us in those early stages early on and been able to come up with more answers to this? Because what if it does show up again? And what if millions of people get sick? and even more people become living statues watching the world through an unmovable body.
This podcast may contain false or misleading information. If you are interested in knowing more about any stories shared on this podcast, I highly recommend doing your own research. All listeners are advised that these are stories and folktales. The information shared must be taken carefully and skeptically, because you never know what could be real and what's just a story. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.